sport. Disability. Disabled sport. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Talking Ball. I am your host, Dave, aka the Sitting Ball Walsh, and today we are joined by the lovely Kat Nelson. Kat is a personal trainer and lifestyle coach. Kat has been competing in the PCA trained bikini bodybuilder category since 2016. But Kat hasn't always had such an easy ride to get to to where she is. Kat has been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and invisible disability. So we wanted to get Kat on this week because this show is going out on MS Awareness Week. Let us introduce to the whole world, Kat. How are you doing, Kat? Hello. Um, Where are you joining us us from, Kat? Um, I live in Kettering. Okay, is that uh, at mid? Corby. Um, okay, yeah. So Northampton, kind of near there. Right at the other end of the country. To me, I'm down, I'm down, down way, way down in the south, um, oh. where the, the farmers and the tractors take over our lives. I met Kat through a MS support group that we're both a part of called MS Together. They help people with MS who's aged between 18 and 35. I just got in on that before I turned 35. So they're not allowed to kick me out now because I'll I'll kick off and it'll be a big, big... Because I was going to say, how old are you? Because I'm 32 this year. So I'm sort of getting to the the cutoff point so I just wondered like if it was the same for you I actually asked the question so I I was expecting a a letter of you're fired on my 35th birthday but they said that they won't kick us out oh yeah good that's good to know but I also noticed Kat over social media Kat is um quite a big Instagram I suppose influencer because you 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 inspire quite a few especially with your posts about the bodybuilding and also having MS while bodybuilding for everyone who who doesn't follow Kat if you follow her on Instagram under the handle deadlifts are bay and yeah. bay meaning bacon and eggs <laughs> well it was made I made the account like ironically I had no followers when I first made it and it was when bay was like the trendy word that the kids were saying so I kind of did it like ironically and then it just kind of stuck and here we are like five six years later <laughs> it's like that's my Instagram handle now so yeah it's quite a cool name to be fair it, it sticks out the so- irony is as well that I did my back injury by deadlifting so Actually, oh, not Bay particularly, but yeah, it's just kind of dark. Kat, can you can you tell us a bit about Kat? What were you like growing up? Were you quite sporty? Were you quite active? Did you always want to get into bodybuilding? Actually, when I was younger, I think because I had MS from a young age, I was always exhausted. I was always so tired. I was quite overweight at school. I avoided PE like the plague. I used to skive off and go to the chip shop <laughs> and uh, the skate park and just sort of hang around there. And just I, I hated all physical exercise. Like it was that's why it's so weird that I've kind of gone completely the other way like even into my 20s like I would literally sort of going in and out of relapses and I just didn't I just never exercised I you know I would avoid walking I would drive to the shop across the road and yeah I just it wasn't it just wasn't a thing that I was interested in at all and then when I moved home because I'd been away for three years I, I just wasn't happy with myself and I just decided to just start learning and I started exercising in my mum's living room when I moved home and yeah just sort of turned my life around and it was like because they they diagnosed me with bipolar disorder 
which I don't think was bipolar disorder. I think it was just me going in and out of relapses. So it was like I'd have ups and downs. Obviously, as you know, we go through, but it was they were saying it was my mental health when it wasn't. So for me, it was like they wanted to put me on more medication. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it through diet and exercise. So I did and just taught myself. And then it just kind of snowballed from there, really. Yeah, so you started moving and being active for this bipolar disorder that they said you had. And from that your bipolar disorder left but then you you found out you had MS instead I guess so as as a child you were going through all these MS symptoms by being so fatigued that for for people who don't know what fatigued is I hope you'll never really know what fatigued is because it's an absolute killer it's it's not just being tired it's being another level of not yourself I I I always when I get fatigued I kind of slump down and I feel like I'm having a bit of an out-of-body experience because I'm so tired I can't be in my own body I'm not sure if it's the same for you yeah so, no, I can relate so you you're going through through that as as a kid and everyone just thought you were lazy yeah one of the symptoms of so this was even when I was probably about six maybe 15 16 apparently one of the really early symptoms of like MS in childhood is falling asleep all the time and it would I would literally just fall asleep like I'd be sitting up and it would just I'd just go and obviously when I got went to college I used to get in trouble all the time because people would be like, you're so rude. Like you, you cannot fall asleep in class. And I'd be like, honestly, guys, I physically can't, like I'm trying so hard. I remember my friend used to kick my chair to be like, can't wake up kind of thing. And it was like, you know what it's like when you feel, I just couldn't stay awake. And it's weird because it's actually gone the opposite way now and I just don't ever sleep. But like, I found it quite interesting that that was a, as a thing, like it's a, one of the very early signs of MS in children is falling asleep all the time. It's very invisible that people can't, well, they can see you sleeping, but they can't see the reason why, which is which is such a pain. So that kind of steered you away from activeness, I guess. What did you go to college to do? I've done all sorts of things. I did fashion for a, a couple of years. I did photography, which I really loved. I've also got my, obviously got my PC qualification, but it was always like, this was the, this has basically been the story of my life is that I'd get kind of achieve something and then for whatever reason it would sort of fall back and I'd be behind and I'd be thinking how come I've just done a year of college and it's gone so well and I've got distinctions and everything and everything's been like amazing and then gone into my second year and I can't even get out of bed like my friend was having to come around in the mornings to get me up and it just never made any sense as to why I couldn't quite get to where I wanted to be all the time. From the age of 15, 16 all the way up until you were diagnosed at the age of 30? 29. 29. You knew something was up with you because you weren't as a normal person would be. How, how did that feel? Not having a diagnosis, but you knew something was wrong. God, it's, gonna make, it's making me emotional, actually. Oh, mate, like, sorry. No, it's fine. I'm just in, just in a bit of a weird music like today. <laughs> it was difficult because no one believed me. So it was like I'd be saying to people and even to doctors. And, you know, I, when I got diagnosed, I got all my doctor's notes because I wanted to look back on all the times I'd gone to the doctors and been saying to them, this is happening to me. And they were just basically like, it's your mental health. You need to take antidepressants. And I'd be like, I'm not depressed. My left hand isn't working. Or I feel like I'm walking off to the left. Or like, you know, I can't move because my whole back's in spasm. And it would always be put down to all these different things. But I mean, like, I'm I'm a bit weird. Um, and all my friends kind of embrace that. So I think it just kind of got put down to just me being a bit quirky and kind of like, oh, cat's just on one of us sort of whatever again, or cat, you know, and, and because 
I went to the doctor so many times. If you're told by countless med- medical professionals there's nothing wrong with you, you believe mm. it. So I started to say to people, I've just got really bad anxiety. That's what I thought my MS was, was oh, wow. anxiety. I used to call, I used to have this thing called anxiety leg, which I've talked about on the podcast before, where it would be spasticity in my left leg. And it would come on every time I felt anxious, but it would be every time my MS was flaring up. And it would, I'd know that I was, I'd have like a panic attack or something because obviously now I know I'm, I get a lot, I'm very symptomatic because of obviously the years and years of relapses and it's kind of built up or whatever. And I'm used, you know, I'm kind of used to it now. I'm used to, and now I know what it is. It doesn't scare me, but obviously when you don't know what the fuck is happening to you and then you're saying it to people and they're like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, on paper, I was an athlete perfect blood pressure you know heart rate was fine all my blood work was fine they were like there is literally nothing wrong with you like stop it and I'd be like okay like fine and just sort of for three years I mean I had a really really bad relapse off the back of my first competing season which I I don't actually think was anything to do with competing I think it was just a few other reasons why but again it was like I was like wetting myself I couldn't see properly and it just all got put down to other things like stress, anxiety, competing. Oh, you've done it to yourself. You know, you've, you're the one that stripped all your body fat off your body. Like, what do you expect kind of thing? And it was, it definitely wasn't any of those things. So from all the time you were experiencing symptoms, did they never think once to send you for an MRI or even, even a lumbar puncture or anything? So they've massively, they massively failed you, man. That's, that's heartbreaking to hear because my, my MS story is so different. My MS story is about two months of, of not knowing. That's, that's it. But you had oh. years. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones, I, I guess, because there are so many stories out there where people just don't know what's wrong with them for years and years. And your, yours was half of your life, I guess. <laughs> Literally, yeah for as long as I can remember I've been having and it was like the relapses obviously I was having obviously started to get worse and worse and worse in my early 20s the ones I was having were I don't know like I get like a weird like electric shock thing in my ankles or I get shooting pains at my forearms or the thing with my left hand would go weak a lot and it was kind of like it, it sounds like saying it now it's like it wasn't that bad in that it was like I'm always one that just kind of gets on with things so mm. it just kind of was like oh my hand's doing the weird thing again like and I would just tell myself oh it's just you know it's in your head or it's it's nothing kind of thing and I'd just crack on with it and then obviously as time went on they were getting worse and worse and then it was kind of it was 2016 when all my bladder problems started and my was getting optic neuritis like really badly to the point that someone would be standing in front of me and I would not be able to see them and I'd be having to like act normal and obviously I looked fine so people would just talk to me as if I was mm. completely well and in my head I'm thinking what the fuck is happening like why can't I see I'd have to go and have a sit down in the other room and kind of like get myself together I just hid it like all because I was told so many times you're fine and and you're told by the the medical professionals who, who should be having your back if that you were fine there's nothing wrong no, nothing wrong with you that's 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 crazy for our listeners um who don't really know what ms is can can you give an overview of what ms is for you well it's a progressive neurological condition i always say to people it's progressive brain damage essentially because that's what it is it's our immune systems are attacking 
our central nervous systems, which is obviously our brain and spinal cord. I actually don't have any lesions on my spinal cord. Mine is just all over my brain. And I have a lot on my brainstem, which I said to you before we came, came on here, which is a lot of kind of cognitive stuff and speech stuff. And um, Do you get, sorry, do you get word confusion? All the time. I get word confusion and it's such a bastard. It became more apparent for me recently. So like the one of my relapses, it was like, I actually couldn't really talk like I couldn't find work like what you've just said I couldn't find words for things and and then kind of since then like my speech is very it goes very slurry I get kind of especially when I'm tired and words muddled up and it's very cognizant a lot of my stuff is cognitive I say that a lot of my stuff I get all sorts of other things as well but that is the thing that actually I struggle with the most is like getting what's in here which I'd like to think I'm relatively intelligent <laughs> actually out of my mouth in some kind of like coherent sentence so yeah so what word confusion is is that you're you're thinking of a word to say so I, I'll be we'll be in a conversation talking about microwaves and we'll be in the conversation deep talking about our favorite microwaves but then you won't be able to say microwave but a different word will come out like football boot or something just really random the kids find it hilarious when, when, when it happens but I get it a lot now when I'm tired or just randomly throughout the day however I went through about a month of it happening all the time and you can't you can't communicate I can't I can't walk I, I'm cool with that but if you can't communicate that's that's your lifeline to other people it was so difficult when so the relapse that led to my diagnosis it was my speech that went and also my right hand so it was like I couldn't talk and I also couldn't write so actually I couldn't really communicate properly with people and I mean I could talk but it was kind of like it would take me about five minutes to get out one sentence and I wouldn't be able to find words for things and sometimes I'll you know when you're trying to find a word and you can't you're trying to describe what it is I was trying to find the word for disk drive on the computer and I couldn't remember what it was I was like I was like um it's like a cd letterbox I was like I can't figure out what, what it's called but yeah I mean that happened it does happen to me a lot MS we we all know is a bit of a dick in a sense it's, it's the brother you never wanted but uh, so what is what is cat's MS like? What what your what are your symptoms? I mean, I know you have a lot of symptoms. Do you have progressive MS? No, I've got relapsing remitting. It's weird because at the moment it's almost like I don't like to say this because people take it as very literally. So if I say I feel like my MS is in remission, they'll be like, oh my gosh, she's fine. Like there's like, nothing wrong with her. When that's not true at all. I'm obviously very symptomatic every single day. But actually, my fatigue is at a point at the moment where it's not crippling me and I'm not in immense amounts of pain. Whereas it, if I go either into a relapse or even to a, into a bad flare-up, nerve pain, like I get it all up my neck, into my face, um, my hands just hurt. They feel like they've been whacked with a, like a meat cleaver. I get really bad spasticity in my legs. That happens most evenings. And I've literally, I describe it as, you know, like the netting you get oranges in yeah yeah imagine that a massive sheet of that like wrapped really tightly around your legs and then trying to walk like the sensation of trying to walk with it 
like your legs like bound up like that's kind of what it feels like I get all sorts of things like my bladder is a nightmare my face all my facial muscles so I had a relapse and they all dropped so it looked like I'd had a stroke Mm -hmm. there's just so many and I put a post the other day as well saying this MS nurse once accused me of lying about it all and I was like why like you've literally just given me a diagnosis why would I make this up like that's um, crazy yeah so an an ms nurse is someone you go to you're supposed to go to for help uh they're the specialists and they've been assigned to to you because they're the specialists of ms and to say you're lying wow i can't well i've not had very good dealings with ms nurses not saying that they're all bad but the the ones i the ones i've had aren't great and obviously your one's a bit of a bit of a knobhead too it was it was it was um it was like a getting to grips with ms day for people that have just been diagnosed and i was probably the youngest person in the room and she was like asking people to shout out all their different symptoms and writing them all up on the board and i was with my mum and i was like i literally have all of those like it was like and so i said that and she in front of this whole room of people she went find that very hard to believe and i was like what why would I make that up I think there was one literally one symptom I think I didn't have on that list and I was just kind of like it's just insane I've been gaslighted my whole life finally get a diagnosis have an MRI you know a picture with my brain with all this damage on it and still she's saying "Mm, I think you're probably lying though it's like madness but yeah thanks mate (laughs) (laughs) that's a good introduction to it for anyone who does, doesn't know so much about MS, the symptoms can vary from everything. Um, I know people who have gone blind from it and, and had their eyesight come back. But equally, I, th- I think we both know people who are, had MS for a very long time and have had no symptoms. So it, it's, it's kind of luck of the draw. They call it the snowflake disease because no two cases are the same. So my case wouldn't be the same as Kat's case. You were diagnosed when you were 29. How was that feeling to, to finally get a diagnosis? It was so, I'd had a, re, it was like at, the, in, at Christmas, I'd had a relapse, quite a bad one. And I wasn't, I was not well. Bear in mind, I was in excruciating pain because I herniated a disc in my back. So a lot of the focus was, on my injury because I was getting really bad sciatica and nerve pain which I've now had surgery for thank god here we are like two years later finally out of pain but it was I think the stress of that triggered a relapse at Christmas and I watched a video of me back the other day and it I was just not okay like it was all all old symptoms from my left side and it was like my speech was slurred and I couldn't everything felt delayed but again it was just all my family were just kind of like you're right you're just a bit anxious like went to A&E twice first time they sent me away and said I was wasting their time second time he did mention MS and asked does it do does it run in the family no so they kind of sort of left it I think that's why I was so lucky about being quick with my diagnosis is because it does run in my family my uncle has it and my grandmother had it so I think that played a huge factor into my MS diagnosis being a month or so from the first symptom yeah but yeah, it doesn't run in the family they'll tell you they'll tell you it yeah, doesn't know, yeah well, that was the thing and so like and I remember I think it was on like on my mum's radar because she'd come to visit me and she took one look at me and was like you need to go to hospital and I was like you think <laughs> um but I but when I'd been sort of like googling and as you know as you do I'd seen MS come up a lot and I was like nah that's like something really serious like it's not gonna be that is it and I literally I diagnosed myself with fun- functional neurological disorder because 
there was nothing else to explain it it was kind of like if it's not all these things it's it's I know it's neurological but it can't be MS because that's serious and it was sort of like and then I sort of like recovered from that relapse a little bit and then I was just so symptomatic like all this weird stuff was happening to body I kept going back to the doctors and being like look what, why is one of my pupils massive and the other one isn't? Like, that's the sign of a brain tumour. Like, you need to look at this. Because they had referred me to a neuro, I think, but the appointment was like five months away, you know, what the waiting lists are like. So I said to my GP, like, I need an MRI. I want you to look at my brain. Within a week, he got me in because I sort of said, look, if I've got some something serious and you're making me wait, I'm going to be mad. And two weeks later, had an MRI. Two days later, they rang me up and were like, you need to come into the surgery and I was like no you need to tell me now what this is because I knew I I remember lying in the MRI and I don't know about you but like when my MS is really active it's like I can feel it it's like I can feel my brain is like on fire which is technically true because our brains are inflamed so it's like I remember lying there thinking there is no way that nothing's going to come on this come up on this like I just knew that something was not okay but I mean it's funny because I was going to go to the gym that day I'd literally planned to go and was like and then my friend was like I think you should probably just go home and I was like yeah probably right just in a really bad relapse but this is because it was just normal to me and it happened kind of over the years so many times it was just just got on with it really um and then, yeah, so he told me over the phone that I had multiple lesions in the white matter of my brain and, you know, a lot of doctor talk. And I was kind of yeah. like, well, what does this mean? And he was like, it looks like you've got multiple sclerosis. And I just remember just sort of throwing the phone at my dad and just sort of being like, like sobbing. But then equally, I was just like, oh, my God, like, that's it. There it is. Like, I knew it. As soon as he said it, I was like, that is what it is. I, I've got to be. And then three days later had the worst relapse I've ever had and was hospitalized which I'm guessing was stress like related Mm. finding out and that was when I had my lumbar puncture and even with my you know this MRI which had was covered they were like well we're not we just need to make sure kind of thing that's ridiculous a lumbar puncture is like a a, what a nine inch needle going into your spine to drain the fluid I I had one and my experience uh, as the worst experience I've ever had and I've watched children being born Oh, yeah, I won't, I won't get into it, but it's it's not nice. I'm not sure if, if you enjoyed your, your day of lumbar puncturing. It took them nine attempts. And because I deadlift was obviously deadlifted so much, all the muscle at my like my lower back was really thick so he was like one of the doctors was literally trying to stab it in and couldn't get in then had to call this other woman over and then I was like please can you just like just do it kind of thing um and she was like I think we're gonna have to come back to this I was like I remember saying to her no you're not I was like you are gonna shove that in my back now and she, she was like okay we'll give it one more attempt and then finally got it out but oh my goodness the headache I remember saying to my mum like is this ever gonna end because I feel like I'm dying like why is this so bad <laughs> But, um, yeah, yeah, when they did mine, they, they tried about five or six times to get it. And again, because I was, I was deadlifting quite a lot back then and I, I had a really strong back, I had to, I couldn't get in the right position for them to get to get in. And then they there was two doctors and then they finally got it after five or six attempts. And then they dropped it on the floor. <laughs> so so my spine juice was everywhere and then they said you're gonna have to come back and get it done under x-ray so they can see what they're doing but the 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 funny thing was between my my second 
lumbar puncture appointment and the first one I had um, a consultant booked in about a week after that that lumbar puncture and he was like yeah you, you've got a mess you don't need a lumbar puncture and I was like why would they send me in the first place <laughs> you know I think as well they're scared they because it is such a serious illness I think they're very reluctant to actually give people like they don't want to give people the diagnosis of it really I think and I think they wanted to be like a hundred percent sure but I mean I knew from the minute he said those words to me I was like that explains everything like everything so it's very much a, a bittersweet conversation I guess you you're a bit relieved because someone finally something is that finally showing that it's, it's proof that for for the last 15 years you you haven't been making it up it's not been mental health it's been exactly what you've been saying it is because so like so many people and even my friends as well had not had the patience with me over the years with it and I think a lot of people were kind of like oh shit like Mm. we were kind of pretty harsh to her like when she because I was saying I remember you know I was in um Australia that was um, so traumatic three weeks in Australia in the horrendous relapse kept saying to my mum mum my brain keeps telling me that I'm dying and she was kind of like what like you're fine kind of thing and I was like I was like it's not a panicky thing but my brain keeps telling me that I'm going to die and like obviously I was having all this bladder stuff my vision kept going and and actually you know through that holiday my mum because my brother was living out in Australia and we'd gone to visit him and obviously you know it cost a lot of money it was meant to be this lovely holiday and there was me like pissy pants over here like being like I need to go to the toilet all the time and feeling really ill and like really anxious all the time and panicked about everything because obviously I was in a relapse and it was kind of like I'd ruined the holiday and it was like so it kind of caused friction between sort of like me and my family my mum and my brother and then I think actually when I was diagnosed I think they were like oh my god like poor cat (laughs) like when like looking back on it it was like I wasn't being awkward I wasn't trying to be difficult or demanding I just really needed some help and because I am so good at just masking things I think people were just expecting me to just get on with it but everyone was shocked and a lot of people said to me a lot of my friends said to me we did used to think your anxiety was quite severe like we'd never really heard of like your hand stopping working or you know you actually weeing yourself and I was like no it's just really severe anxiety that's what the doctors have said so it's got to be right and like sort of post-diagnosis they were like yeah we did we we thought that I was like cheers guys maybe good maybe good as said but it's fine yeah thanks a lot but um so during this time you became a personal trainer um and a health and lifestyle coach as well how, how was it getting the qualification for, for for that during the well the ms slash anxiety it was the best time of my life getting my pc qualification so it was actually one of the very few times that my ms was completely in remission i would say i remember feeling on top of the world it was like i i'm quite confident these days and i i can you know come on this podcast and talk to you and i'm quite you know we'll talk to anyone rewind you know even five years ago I was so introverted I was so shy I wouldn't talk about it but you know I was so just anxious and nervous about literally everything having conversation with people and I was kind of put into a situation where it was like an intensive course in Birmingham and so I'd go to the gym every day five days a week and work nine till four doing our kind of coursework train in the morning so I'd get up at half five drive to Birmingham for an hour neck my pre-workout in the car walk to the gym train for an hour 
have a shower, get ready, be in the classroom for nine, always late, standard Cass Nelson. Um, and there was like, I think there was four or five other lads on my course and we just had such a great time. And I always say it was like the best school I've ever been to. And I just, I didn't want to leave. Like it was, and I remember on one of the last days we did like an outdoor like because they're qualified in like boot camp or something like that so then we had to like obviously do all these different things to sort of be assessed and I remember thinking oh my god I feel so good like I was like this is where I'm meant to be on the hat like I was so so happy um it was a really really happy time actually in my life and yeah it helped me so much like just exercising and diet and with sorting my nutrition out you know I thought it was helping my mental health but actually I do think it was helping my MS I mean it's not a cure by any means, but I mean, it obviously does have an effect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it was kind of helping, but yeah, it was very, very happy time in my life. It was. Did, did you start that? Did you, did you think about doing that course because you, you said as a child, you were overweight and you weren't very active. Did what, what made you turn? What was it? You trying to lose weight and get a bit healthier? Yeah, so I moved home from, I used to live in Lincoln, so I lived in Lincoln for three years, and I'd moved home, and I'd put on, I'd put on quite a bit of weight, and I just, you know, like any girl in their early 20s was like, I want to lose some weight, and then sort of started to do it, didn't do it right to start with, just sort of started doing exercise DVDs, couldn't even run on the spot for five minutes without dying, I remember doing my first, I got a free PT session, at the gym that I eventually joined. And I remember, I still speak to the, the guy now, and this was a long, long time ago. Um, and he was like, oh, what, you know, what are your goals for, for training? And I was like, I just want to get really strong. And he was like, that's a really weird thing to say. I've never heard a girl say that really before, but okay. He was like, have you ever heard of deadlifting? And I was like, no, not really. He was like, do you want to do some deadlifting? And I was like, yeah. That day I deadlifted 60 kg and couldn't walk for a week, but it was literally the best thing ever. And after that, I was like, I like this like this is fun and this is something that I could keep doing and it was like I was a wedding photographer at the time and it it sort of I was sort of exercising and training and learning about training nutrition alongside that and it actually got to the point where it was like I want this to be my Mm. job because it's helped me so much I want to give this to other people because it was life-changing it was not only physically it was like mentally and confidence wise and I was actually good at something for like the first time of my life so yeah it was pretty good so it's definitely the move that that changed everything for you that, that got you the confidence so how did you come across bodybuilding well, obviously I when I train like started training I think a lot of girls start training to compete I never I was never one of those girls I'd sort of just trained like I said just for fun because it was fun to pick up a heavy weight and be like oh my god I can do that that's pretty cool um so I'd kind of trained for a couple of years and I used to train with my brother and his, him and his friends were very much like, we don't care about what we look like. We just want to get really kind of strong. So I always trained like quite well, like even from the start. Um, and then I went into calisthenics training, which is body weight training. So pull-ups, dips, and sort of taught myself to do that. Taught, I used to teach girls classes with that, um, I loved it and I got very strong. I would recommend like that as a kind of training. It's amazing. Yeah, um, the, the problem is when you're, when you're as heavy as I am, it's quite it's still quite tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely easier at the moment. I've lost a little bit of weight now. So pulling myself up on a bike is slightly easier. But um, yeah, I just sort of, I just tried everything. And then I remember thinking, like people would say it to me because I just trained so much anyway people are like oh, have you ever thought about competing and I was kind of like oh god no like I could not do that like 
because I was so shy the thought of standing on stage in a bikini absolutely not like I just like training and whatever and there was like a local show here um and I remember getting the leaflet for it and I had it on my mirror for ages and I was kind of like oh one day one day I'll do it kind of thing but just sort of I didn't really know where to start or what to do and I didn't have the knowledge I have now and yeah it eventually um I think my ex-boyfriend had cheated on me or something and I was kind of like a bit yeah yeah yeah. um a bit lost and it was actually my mum that was like well you know you've thought about competing and stuff why don't you get yourself a coach and see what they say and whatever and it just literally went from there I did like a little off season which to be honest I didn't really particularly need to do because I actually had quite a bit of muscle already um so pushed my I think I put on a stone in about three months and just really sort of pushed with my training then did a six month prep diet got on stage thought that I looked like everyone else was in the like the bikini category and I didn't place and I was really I was really upset like not not really upset but I was kind of like I thought I looked all right kind of thing and then looked at the stage photos back and me in comparison to all the other girls I was jacked and I was like uh, this is why I haven't placed so you're too messily yeah I was too big um I, but actually my physique was like I feel big headed saying this but I feel like I'm talking in the context of bodybuilding mm. in that physique wise I looked insane and I didn't even realize that I looked like that and I remember the day after I actually won best legs in that show actually but the day after I went and had a photo shoot with this guy called Matt Marsh I don't know if you've heard of him before fitness photography he's a lovely guy really really great and I remember him showing me like some of the images that he'd taken of like the raw images and I just burst into tears I was like I cannot believe that is me like he's what like I was like how do I even look like that this is crazy and then one of my now friends um she came up to me after you know we'd all been on stage with and she was like right there's a show in like two weeks time it's called PCA um it's like a kind of a new federation she was like I think you'd be really good for it like and I was kind of a bit like who's this girl like Uh, I'm kind of fine doing my thing and then actually we're kind of like hmm this could be could be something so I didn't tell anyone I was going to do it went down to Hampshire yeah and won my category and then won the female overall which was literally like the best moment of my life so this 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 PCA show you did was a it was a bigger show it was um there was a governing body in charge and from not placing in the first show being upset you you went to the the second show which was you know not to discredit the first show the second show was an actual show and placed and even won yeah yeah that's, it was like, that's wicked yeah so the first the first you know they're a lovely federation actually that I, I did my first show with and I'm actually really glad that I did my first show with them because it was so it was so much fun um but I mean obviously PCA is very much a, a bodybuilding uh federation and I do really love I love them as a federation but yeah, I mean, it was insane. I remember them saying about the overall and being like, you know, because there was these girls, like, you know, I know some, obviously know some of them now. I remember seeing them backstage and being like, oh my God, they look like absolute goddesses. Like, how am I going to be on stage with these girls? And I, you know, I kind of went on just because, just to do it. And when they called out my name to win it, I was literally just like, excuse me, <laughs> like, what? This is insane. And then also went on to do finals as well and came second, which was again, absolute, wow. absolute madness. But it was it was a very fun year, and I had a lot of fun doing it, and met a lot of amazing people as well. 
So at this time, you were going through all the uh, MS symptoms. You you weren't diagnosed with MS at this point, no. no. But but you still very much had MS. Looking back at it now, you knew exactly what it was. Do you think having MS back then spurred you on to compete? Do you think that you wanted to prove to to people that, or even prove to yourself that you could do it? To a point, yeah. But I think I obviously I didn't know what it was that was kind of driving me almost. It was just, it was more that I just wanted to do it for myself. It was never, I'm not a competitive person, which is really odd because obviously bodybuilding is a very competitive sport, but I've never really looked at other people and been like, jealous or kind of like I was just always like I want to kind of be the best version of me and kind of just do it for myself and getting on stage was the achievement for me and then the fact that I was actually quite because genetically I'm built for bodybuilding I mean horrible genetics in regards to my uh, incurable chronic illness but like bodybuilding wise my limb length and my torso length and my small waist and my big legs it's all there do you know what I mean so it was um I just kind of got on with my stuff and did my own thing and yeah it was um and, and it's something you can control like the shape you've got yourself in you did that and people were judging what you did to yourself which is which is exactly what bodybuilding is can you tell us a bit about your your bodybuilding prep um so how how did you get into the shape you got in <laughs> um so the so I've obviously I've done two preps now um, and it is just extreme dieting basically in that so you obviously you need to have muscle if you're going to compete anyone that's listening to this you know if you're thinking about competing make sure you've actually got some decent muscle especially if you're natural I mean I'm I'm natural I don't I've never taken any steroids no judgment for anyone that ever has but it's just wasn't a thing for me so I you know I had a good few years of training and muscle under my belt because if the last thing you want to do is diet down and not have anything underneath yeah um, and that's the same in 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 strongman um you have to have gym strength so mm-hmm. it's very you you can't just come off the street and be like i want to be a bodybuilder you, you yeah. have to you have to know a little bit about what you're doing and you have to have your your gym strength behind you or your gym muscle yeah definitely yeah and i was quite lucky in that i'd had like I say, years of training just to train for the crack. And I just had like a sort of an athletic, you know, I had shoulders, I had a back, I had all this stuff just as a byproduct of just training for fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I did a bit of a sort of push up with my food. So try, you know, put on a little bit of muscle in that sort of three months. Um, what type of food were you, were you eating? Just whole food, really. Like pretty boring, standard, high high quality protein sources enough micronutrients decent carb sources and healthy fats pretty much like so you were counting everything that that went in were you counting by macros or calories macros so i actually didn't know much about macros back then because i was it was all kind of new to me now i mean i you know my last prep i did i essentially did myself because i'm doing nutrition qualification at the moment but i know quite a lot about nutrition and i know how to manipulate a physique to make it do what you want it to do basically like when you're peaking for a show and things like that and it's actually quite complicated and very scientific but it's really nerdy and fun which is why i love bodybuilding like it's actually just yeah it's insane what you can play with especially when you're so lean like you know whacking in 700 grams of carbohydrate over two days and literally watching your physique come alive like over those days is so satisfying for a massive nerd like me i think um, people think it's it's just 
gym and eat there's so much more to it than than gym and eat it's it's crazy like like you were saying it's yeah like manip- water manipulation and carbohydrate manipulation like i say it's like it's just fun and it's like i don't know it's weird because since, since my diagnosis i've it's almost like i feel guilty for having that as a like a hobby and an interest because it is obviously it's very aesthetic based you're you're literally being judged on what you look like and i'm the complete opposite i would never judge anyone on what they look like so it's a bit of a weird one really and i think in the chronic illness community we're obviously encouraged to kind of embrace our bodies as they are and and i definitely do that but equally i find it fascinating that if i strip all the body fat off my body i look like an absolute machine and it's insane but that is just personally something i just find interesting and the science behind it and like i say the manipulation that you can you can just play with your physique and i just find it really fun but i'm kind of getting a bit more comfortable in letting myself enjoy that hobby again now because like i say i felt a whole like a lot of almost guilt like i'd just done like a little mini cut and sort of dieted down over the last like i don't know three months um and it's like i almost feel guilt, guilty about that and it's like i i literally do everything for myself um like so it's like i would never tell anyone you know you should do this but it's just something that I don't know why I like muscles and veins so much. Like if someone could tell me why, but I just do. And actually I'm getting a bit more comfortable in, in embracing that hobby again. And yeah. And you should, I think it's about you're standing on stage and people are judging you for what you can do rather than what you can't do. And I think that's quite a big thing as well in the, the disabled community. Why, why a lot of us, we do sports that are very solo. So, so it's, it's, all judged on what you what you can do because there's so much things you can't do because of your disability but this is this is what you can do and you're fucking crushing it i've seen some of the photos from when you were on stage in the people with the pca and you look incredible and they, they even put you on one of their posters didn't they yeah there was like people walking around my face and i was like that's me <laughs> crazy did you know that was happening yeah it was because um it was because i won the overall they just used me for next year's poster um and I actually had a client myself that was doing the show that I'd done the year after and hilariously ironically I that day I was I think I was probably in a relapse I remember being so MSy and obviously having to I was working with clients so I was having to help my client like you know peak for her show and was trying to look after her obviously there were so many people who wanted to talk to me because I was the girl on the fucking t-shirt and there's me really MSy, not being able to see or think straight, being like, oh my God, what, what the fuck is happening kind of thing. But but yeah, I mean, I love that show. And I competed in that same show again. When was it? Two years ago? But it was when I'd done my back injury. So four weeks out from my competition, bear in mind, a year of off season. I, that was a year of relapse after relapse. And I busted my ass through that. Didn't know what was wrong with me, but still did train six days a week. Was eating loads, put on loads of weight. And then had dieted down from January to whenever it was, June, four weeks out, injured my back really badly. And I was like, I'm going on that stage. Like, there is no yeah. way after all this work that I'm not going on that stage. Um, and I still came second, actually, considering I did no cardio. My diet had gone to shit a little bit. I went on stage looking a little bit pregnant because I was really bloated because I hadn't slept. Um, and I hadn't trained in like four weeks as well. So actually... 
it was that even that in itself I was quite proud of because yeah. I suppose it affected your posing uh, with, with oh, back injury as well like it was like I couldn't switch my glutes on because obviously the sciatic the back injury was like sciatic pain all down my leg and oh my days it was the worst thing ever but I would like to go back and do that show again maybe the, the same time. show yeah it has it has like I, I have like special I don't know special things that like mean a lot to me and that that show for sure is has a special place in my heart and I do try and go to just watch it every year even though it's like two and a half hours away or whatever because firstly I get on really well with Eddie the guy that kind of like runs it um got a lot of love for him and just just has has happy happy memories and I just yeah it was a fun time in my life so look back on it and you've you've achieved a lot you've you've done absolute wonders when you go back to compete again will you go into the same category because there is a, a disabled category isn't there yeah this is what i was saying wasn't i so it's difficult so basically because of my back injury and actually my ms now as well i can't train how i used to train and i don't want to kind of it's almost like i don't want to go back on stage looking worse than i did before because obviously i've had like two and a half years of training due to my injury and obviously pandemic and just everything and I've lost a lot of muscle mass sadly so and some of the girls are assisted that I would be up against and realistically it would either take me a good number of years to kind of put even get back to even anywhere close to where I was before all this happened or I could go into the disability category and bust my ass for a year or two years and just see what my physique looks like and just go in because it's going to have some side effects isn't it I mean to get back to the the place you were the the size you were it's not going to be it wouldn't be easy for anyone but for somebody with MS and the the back problem it's it's going to be twice as hard three times as hard even up to I think I've read somewhere that just doing a normal task is five times as hard for someone with MS and people don't realize that so it's going to take a toll on your body and it's, it's going to hurt so I suppose it is quite a, a big choice which category to go in this is what I know myself though right and this is the thing I will <laughs> hypothetically because you know I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen but I'm, my plan is to just kind of get back into the gym get back into training just kind of see what my body can do I can't deadlift now I can't squat I can't do any heavy compounds and to be honest a lot of my training was centered around big compound movements which is why I managed to kind of get my physique to where it was um, and obviously I've had that kind of taken away from me now so it'll be interesting to see kind of where I can get to kind of with more accessory stuff and just sort of working around my new body with mm. you know this new illness not new illness but you know what I mean and obviously my back injury and it'll just I think I'm just going to see what I look like in maybe a year's time and then sort of reassess and yeah and just and but the thing yeah like I say I know myself and I'll be like right yeah we'll do, I'm gonna do this disability category and then I'll be like might just do the normal category again like <laughs> just sort of get in there and see how it goes like just because I'm just stubborn and like yeah that, that- the first time I entered Britain's Strongest Disabled Man, I came third and I hid from everyone that I came third. I, d- I didn't tell anyone I was the third strongest disabled person in Britain just because I felt it wasn't real. And even to the point of coming second in the world in the disabled category, someone even said to me, how does it feel? And I, I, I remember saying, well, it's, it's not real strong man, is it? Just because it was a disabled category. So I think as, as people with 
invisible disabilities you, you put you push it push yourself down so much but bodybuilding yeah, crazy me hearing you say that I think that's madness <laughs> I'm like that's absolutely insane that you feel like that but equally I can relate to that and I know what that feels like but it is just it's such like internalized ableism I think that we we're like oh well it doesn't doesn't really count as much when actually it absolutely counts and is actually amazing so and and to be fair I part of me does want to do the disability category because actually I am very disabled and I think it would be good representation for our illness to actually go and do a big bodybuilding federation like that with an illness that is so technically invisible and actually raise a bit of awareness because I think people would be like well you know what's wrong with her and then it would be a sort of talking point for people and obviously that's kind of something I'd like to do anyway is sort of educate people on MS because no one knows anything about it (laughs) like yeah they just think it's like an old person thing or (laughs) that we just get a bit tired and I'm like Oh, there's, there's, there's so much more to it than that. We, we we could be discussing that for weeks and weeks about the symptoms that everybody gets. But I think by, like you were saying, going to do the disabled category, it sh- it shows other people that are maybe in, in the same position that you are, that actually it's okay, I can go and do this category. I can, I can go and let myself out of my comfort zone or I can just let people know about my invisible disability I think it's it's such a um, good way to spread awareness and to share motivation to to get more people in in disabled sports and specifically in disabled bodybuilding yeah I would agree that's definitely what why I started doing this show is to to raise awareness for disabled athletes and disabled sports just to get numbers on in the sports really because we're so underrepresented it is crazy yeah when would that show be well I don't know I mean there's a, there's they're all throughout the year so it like and this is what I always say to people in general if people say I want to they want to compete and they're not sure I'm just like the stage will always be there and um, there's yeah. always shows running so it would just be a case of picking one and working towards it or kind of actually giving myself a bit of a time frame I mean I could put on some I mean because I'm quite lean at the moment I'm in quite a good position to put some mass on and mm. newbie gains as well because I haven't really touched my body for like two and a half years I've been training at the park for three months just doing cal- like really basic calisthenics finally again and it's been amazing my whole upper body has just gone vroom, and I'm literally <laughs> like right if we can do this in three months with my upper body my leg because I can't train my legs at the moment because I need the gym for that because yeah. it's not safe for my back to be you know freestyling crazy stuff at the park or whatever I need kind of fixed machines and a sort of safe environment but I'm thinking if I can apply what I've done in the last three months to sort of my lower body actually we might we might get there but it's just I just don't know, Do you know yes yeah, I mean? it's, it's as it comes I suppose because like you say there are all throughout the year the the competitions are so you can get yourself to a and I suppose you can kind of enter it whenever you want as well I'm not sure if it's yeah. a bit strong man there's there's not a lot of numbers in the seats so you can enter like a week before the comp if you're yeah, feeling good enough. yeah yeah I think maybe I don't know I'd like to do a little I was saying to my friend about this like a little covert bikini girl mission where I just won't tell anyone and just sort of like turn up on the day and be like oh yeah I'm competing by the way guys like but that was I think that's what I was going to say is that it's not it was never about winning for me like even from the start like it was just about getting on stage and it's almost like I've gone back to that again now you know I've, I've had it's 
it's grief you know I've you know spent two years grieving the loss of kind of my body as it was and all of the work I put in towards my bodybuilding career and things like that but actually just standing on stage and you know actually being proud of what I've achieved and being like you know what this is my physique right now and I'm still on this stage like that you know I loved so much and I never thought I'd do again it's not about taking a trophy home it's just about about doing it and saying to people you know you can do things like and it might be different to how you thought it was going to be and you know I didn't you know someone had told me we'd be having this conversation two three years ago I'd be like sorry what like absolutely not but no I think yeah I mean just even getting on standing on that stage again I'd just be very very happy about that so I'm I'm very confident that you're going to do it and I'm very tempted to come up and watch because I've never I've, I've never seen a, a full body building show because like you say they are quite long but I've um stepped in on some of them we're going to the um Arnold's this year I'm not sure if you heard about oh really mm, yeah the Arnold's are coming to the UK so that would be quite a cool cool little show I'm sure they'd have something there but I I just want to say that I've seen you said you've been doing a lot of pull-ups and stuff lately I saw I saw a video of you in the park doing pull-ups and I'm I'm so ashamed of myself because I can't do any <laughs> and you're there doing I'm not I'm the second strongest disabled person in the world I can't even do one the thing is though I think it's because I've done it for years so that actual actually that pattern of movement my body knows very well in like the chin-up because I've been doing it for seven years or whatever you know when I first started at the start of this lockdown, I was like, right, I want to get my chin. I, I don't know if you saw, I was like, right, 10 chin-ups in a row is my goal. And I could do one and a half. And it was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm like, this is how, like, I'm never going to be able to achieve this. But I just was consistent with my training and managed to get my 10. And I was like, shit, like, if I'm, if I stick at something, like, it, it does work, like, eventually. But but yeah, I mean, like I say, I think people were like, oh my God, you can do all these chin ups. It's like, no, I used to be able to do the majors ago. Like my body knows how to, <laughs> my body does know how to do it. So it's cheating ever so slightly. But, but yeah, I mean, I was very happy with it. It's just such a little, little goal, but I don't know, it gave me a lot of joy, I suppose. Yeah, especially in the, the, the shit year we've, like we've had. What a year. What a year. <laughs> Are you still working as a personal trainer? Is it, has it been a bit um, because of the, the coronavirus outbreaks that affected you? Well, so I used so I'd kind of moved from actual PT. I mean, I did do a few class. I used to teach classes at the gym I worked at, so I used to teach like a class for people with mental health problems and also a class for people with anxiety. And um, so that was kind of my in-person PT. And I do kind of the odd PT session with people, but I actually moved over to kind of more online coaching because mm. um, I just I love people and I love talking to people, and I felt like my clients were getting more out of kind of having me throughout the week to help them rather than one hour a week in the gym if that if that makes sense yeah um, absolutely but obviously with my back injury and everything like I just so many like I remember being in hospital like being like someone needs to sort my clients out for me like and everyone's like cat I'm pretty sure they can wait and I was like no 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 someone bring me the phone like like screaming in pain with this like <laughs> excruciating back injury and even when um with my ms like couldn't even talk and i've got voice notes of me apologizing to one of my now very good friends but she was actually a client of mine at the time so obviously this was like what three or two three years ago um 
me apologizing to her being like i'm so sorry because i couldn't even <laughs> talk and she was like cat oh my god just stop um so i did actually give up working for a while and i will never go back to working full time and i'm kind of like okay with that now but i have actually i took on a client last week oh cool and, and i think i will just probably take on like a handful of clients at a time and because i do love my job like i love it and i love watching people grow and like emotionally and like physically as well and just watch like it makes me happy seeing other people happy so even if I have two clients at a time it's better than no clients at a time and that's what I'm being that's what I'm finding myself being okay with now at the moment so yeah absolutely so where, where can um if, if people want to find more about you where can they find out more about you so yeah I mean just my Instagram is where I live basically so um <laughs> Yeah, and there's actually some real cool shit on there. I know you post a lot about what you're eating and how you're training. So if if somebody who's thinking about getting into bodybuilding, just check out deadlifts are bay. And there's there's a lot of advice on there. Just, just even by scrolling through the pictures, you you can you can gauge quite a lot about what what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's cool. Kat, thanks for coming on today. It's been great talking about hearing about your your shitty experience with with the whole the whole of the the doctors and, and nurses and i hope if i hope they get their acts together for the future and thanks for being so honest and open with us it's, it's been a real privilege to to have you on today and yeah we we'll, can't wait to see you crushing it on the bodybuilding stage again thank you so much and thank you so much for having me it's been lovely Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about disabled sport.